Good morning. It's good to see you this morning. Glad that we've been able to gather here uh, and have this time of worship, this opportunity to draw near to one another as we draw near uh, to God. And I'm thankful for the chance to get to uh, preach today, thankful for the opportunity our, our administrative leadership team has given Jared to take a few weeks and and devote his attention uh, to planning for the future. As somebody who preached every week for 10 years, it feels like telephone poles on the highway. They just come and they come one after another, and it's hard to ever be able to step back and pause and just get the space you need to to really be able to listen to God about what God is calling you to say. And so I'm thankful uh, Jared gets this chance and and thankful to, to be able to fill in today and looking forward to hearing from Danny and Stephen in the coming weeks as well. This morning, I want to invite you to, to uh, listen with me to the, the story from Luke's gospel, from Luke chapter 5. Uh, you can look there in your Bibles, on your phones, you can read it on the screen, or you can just listen uh, as I read it. Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 27. Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at a kiosk for collecting taxes. Jesus said to him, follow me. Levi got up, left everything behind, and followed him. Then Levi threw a great banquet for Jesus in his home. A large number of tax collectors and others sat down to eat with them. The Pharisees and their legal experts grumbled against his disciples. They said, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered, healthy people don't need a doctor, but sick people do. I didn't come to call righteous people, but sinners, to change their hearts and lives. Let's pray together this morning. God, we thank you this morning for the gift of being able to gather together, to be able to gather together as your people, uh, called by your name, called to follow Jesus. What a blessing it is to, to be able to sing together to come together around the table and celebrate the Lord's Supper, to partner with you in in your work through our giving, and now to listen together to the words of this story that's been passed down to us through so many generations by so many people, the story that invites us to to enter it, uh, to listen to it, to be shaped by it. So God, I pray this morning that as we listen, as we enter into this story, that your spirit would be at work within us to shape us and transform us more and more into the likeness of Jesus, that we might be able to faithfully carry out our part in your mission, your mission to redeem the world. We pray these things through Jesus our Lord. Amen. Now, I don't know about you, uh, but there are a lot of times where I imagine it would be wonderful to be able to sit down and have a conversation with some of the people that interacted with Jesus, or perhaps to have an opportunity uh, to hear them tell about their stories, about their encounters, about their experiences, about what it was like to be with him, to be near him, to be around him. Like Levi, what would he say how would he describe this experience, this, this story we've just read? You know, Luke tells it to us, but it's six short verses. It, it's not a lot of detail. Levi's perspective has to have been fascinating. Now, unfortunately, we can't exactly do that, but I'd like for us to imagine what it would be like if, if he were able to be here with us and tell us a little bit about it. I suspect it might go something like this. 
follow me. It's two simple words. Words that aren't particularly special, but they're words that changed my life. I should start at the beginning, though, back at the beginning of the story. For many of you, the question, what am I going to be when I grow up, is a normal question. It's been a part of your life from the time you were a young child. But for me, for for people in my day, it wasn't much of a question. You see, most of us, we, we didn't have the options available to us that you've had. We pretty much followed the example of our parents. We followed in their footsteps. So if you were a boy like me and your dad was a carpenter, let's say, you were probably going to become a carpenter, adept at working with wood, making beautiful things, building houses, whatever it might be. Or if your dad was a blacksmith, there was going to be a day at some point in your life that you would take over the family business. If your dad was a fisherman, it was never too early to start learning the tricks, and the tricks of the trade, like, you know, the, the best secret spots to catch the most fish. Every fisherman's got them. You've got to learn it early because you never know when it's going to be your turn to take over the nets. Well, the question, what am I going to be when I grow up? What am I going to do with my life? It just wasn't a question for us. We just assumed whatever my parents have done, that's what I'm going to do. Except for me, it didn't turn out that way. Now, I could get into the whole story, but first of all, it's too long. Secondly, there are parts of it that are embarrassing, and I'd rather not talk about it. And and third, it's kind of beside the point. But suffice it to say, I didn't end up doing what I thought I would do. You know, one day, I woke up, And I had become something, someone, that I never, ever imagined I would be, even in my wildest dreams. I had become a tax collector. I'll tell you the truth, it's hard for me to grasp how it even happened. The the best I can come up with is that every single door closed, one after another, after another, until one day... That's what I was. That's who I was. I was a tax collector. And my booth, my my little kiosk, it was in this small town of Capernaum. That wouldn't have been everybody's first choice of where they'd get stationed. Uh, But it was okay. It was near the border on a major thoroughfare. And so even though Capernaum was hardly a thriving metropolis, I was able to do pretty well there. There was a lot of traffic. And the way it worked uh, is Rome would mandate a certain level of taxes, right? And so then, all of us tax collectors, we would impose a surcharge. We'd mark it up. That way we could skim a little bit off the top for ourselves. And and every tax collector, they got to kind of make that choice on their own. Now, I got to tell you, some of the guys, they were ruthless, I mean, it was like they delighted in embarrassing people who couldn't afford to pay. Some of them even seemed to take this perverse sort of pleasure in being able to send folks to jail who couldn't pony up. But but me, I 
I, I tried to be fairer. I tried to, uh, to charge people on a sliding scale based on their income. I tried to ask them, what, what's going on in your life? What are your circumstances? Now, some people would call that naive, but, but I didn't get into this to sink anybody's ship. I was really just trying to make a decent living for myself and trying to do right by people. And so, you know, I tried to, to take all that into consideration. Unfortunately, Public perception doesn't really take that into consideration. It didn't matter that I tried to take it easy on folks who needed a break. It, 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 it was like I was just like everybody else. I was a tax collector, which meant I was hated. I was despised, just like all the others. And, and part of it was because, well, I mean, the obvious. We were taking people's money, right? But, but for some folks the rub went much deeper. You see, I was a tax collector, but I'm also Jewish. And for my fellow Jews, that was like the biggest strike you could have against you. It, it basically made me a traitor in their eyes. You know, I was conspiring with Rome. I had abandoned my people, turned my back on them, betrayed them, and so... I was among the worst of the worst. But, you know, you got to do what you got to do to survive. And it's, I mean, it's not like I entered into this eager to destroy people's lives. I mean, it's not even like I was, I was excited and looking forward to becoming a tax collector for a long time. Like I told you earlier, I didn't choose tax collecting. Tax collecting chose me. So I was sitting there one day at my booth. And, you know, there were times where the action was, was wild. The, the line was long. People were backed up. But this day, it, it was kind of slow. Not a lot going on. And I was distracted, and I was trying to, you know, straighten some things up, get all the receipts filed in an orderly fashion. And then I, I heard these words, follow me. Now, at first, I, I, I thought they must be for somebody else. I mean, after all, everybody I knew tried to avoid me. The people who had to deal with me, well, they dealt with me, but they got away as fast as they could. And so... There was no way that anybody was asking me to follow them. But Jesus did. Jesus did. And when it finally clicked, what he had said, you know, I, I took a, a good long look around my booth. I, I noticed over, over in the corner there was there was stack after stack after stack of, of receipts. And, and as I saw the receipts, I, I was thinking about the people that these receipts represented. You know, most of the people that I saw, they hated paying taxes. I mean, it was like one of the worst possible things they could imagine. One of the greatest burdens in their life. I'm sure you can't relate. But the truth is, for most folks that I saw, you know, paying taxes was, 
an inconvenience. It was an annoyance, but it really wasn't much more than that. It, it didn't really impact their quality of life. It didn't really impact their standard of living. You know, they paid their taxes. They grumbled a little bit about it, and they moved on. But, but seeing those receipts, it reminded me of a few other folks, the folks whose faces have haunted me too many nights that I've been trying to fall asleep. The folks who, though I tried to take it as easy as I could on folks, well, I'm, I'm afraid that, that my cut, well, it, it may have done them in. Their faces came rushing back one by one and and then I, I just had to get them out of my mind. And so I, I looked around a little bit more and I, I noticed the decorations that I'd put around. Now, I'm, I'm not much of a decorator, but I didn't need to make the place feel a little more at home, a little more comfortable, spend enough time there. And so I saw the knickknacks that were scattered about, the decorations on the walls. And I thought about all the time I'd spent there. So much time. You know, that place... That place was, well, I, it had changed my life. I mean, it, had, it allowed me to, to make a comfortable living. Now, it, it came at a cost. There was constant stress, but I had made a good living. And one of the coolest things about it was I got to encounter people from all over the world. And folks I never would have met otherwise. Of course, the downside was you know, I, I lost most of my friends. My friends, you know, one by one, they had deserted me, frustrated that I had had stooped to this level. Of course, that wasn't the worst. The worst was, was my family and friends. You know, my, my family, they, at first, they, they, they just sort of, kept quiet, but I could tell something had changed. And then one day, it was like a switch had flipped, like they were no longer hesitant to say what they really thought, and, and they told me I was an embarrassment. I brought shame on the family. Yeah, I'd met a lot of people, but I lost the ones closest to me. You know, another upside to the, to the tax collecting business was I, I got to indulge a lot of my desires, my wants, not just my needs. But truth be told, the pleasures were hardly worth it. The looks that people gave me when I was walking down the street, the things they muttered under their breath, it hurt. I think at some point I began to despise myself. And so I, I took a good long look around my booth, around my little kingdom, and I decided, you know what, I've had enough. And so I got up, and I did something I never could have anticipated. I followed Jesus. I followed Jesus. Now the funny thing was, as soon as I left my booth behind, so I was walking behind Jesus, and, and he asked me to come up beside him, and, 
And, and then when I came up beside him, he, he said, where are we going? And I said, wait a second, I, I'm following you. You just told me, follow you. And he said, well, I know, but, but where are you going? Where would you be going right now? I said, well, home. He said, well, can I come over? And I said, uh, you know, I hadn't exactly left my house in perfect hosting order that morning. This was Jesus we were talking about. I didn't want him coming over to a messy house. I mean, can you imagine anything more intimidating than Jesus coming to your house and it's a mess? Then I started thinking, why not? Why not? I mean, I've already done something crazy. I left my booth behind. So why not have Jesus over? Why not have a party? So sure enough, we had a party. We got back to the house. And I decided, well, it's not a party if it's just us, so we need to invite some people over. So I whipped out my phone, and I texted everybody in my contact list. Oh, wait. Sorry. I got word out to everybody that I could think of, anybody I could think of. And I knew, you know, it's very last minute, and people have their plans made way in advance. And this might be something that, you know, they, they, they'd love to come, but they just can't. So I thought, well, you know, we'll probably have an okay turnout, but it probably won't be that great. Except I slightly underestimated the draw of Jesus. It turned out everybody was willing to cancel their plans to see Jesus. And so we had a crowd in my house that like that night like I had never had before and like I never had after. Person after person kept walking in the door. I'm here to, for the party. Where's Jesus? Before long, it was packed. You could hardly move, but I'm telling you, it was awesome. There was feasting, there was laughter. It was amazing. Amazing. One of the best nights of my life. Now, I got to tell you what was so amazing about it. And and the best way to do that is is to, to tell you about this thing that happened one time. So you may have had an experience like this where you invite somebody over and when they get there, they take over. It's like they can't help themselves from making themselves the center of attention. Well, there was this one time I invited this guy over for dinner. And I'm telling you, he started talking the minute he walked in the door. And he didn't take a breath until he walked out. Nobody could get in a word edgewise. You might think that chewing would slow him down a little bit. But you'd be wrong. He talked, and he talked, and he talked. But this night, this night, the experience was totally different. You see, I I was the host, right? Except, as it turned out, I, I wasn't the host at all. Jesus was the host, But it wasn't because he kind of took on the persona of the host. It wasn't because he took over and dominated. There was something about Jesus that that he was able to bring the best out of every person that was there. Like somehow, some way, he knew how to make them come alive. And so it wasn't like we were competing for airtime or competing for attention. It's like, Everything just flowed. Like because of his presence, everybody was able to be themselves. 
There was no pretending, no hiding, no covering up, no, no masks being put on. It was incredible, this experience. And I took a good long look around the room. And what I saw on the faces of my fellow tax collectors was something I'd never seen on their faces before. Life. Real life. Abundant life. And it was a beautiful sight to behold. It was like a heavy burden had been lifted off their backs, like suddenly they were set free from having to play the role of the bad guy, like they'd been liberated from, from this bondage to a, to a place in life, like somehow Jesus had been able to restore the dignity they gave up when they became tax collectors. I've never seen anything like it. Of course, nothing ever goes smoothly, does it? And, and there were these folks who, who, who had this sense that if, if one person's dignity is restored, the only way that can happen is if another person's dignity is taken away from them. Like, dignity is a zero-sum game. You get some back, I lose some. I get some back, you lose some. And so the, these folks, these Pharisees and teachers of the law, they start complaining and grumbling. They're frustrated at what's happening. Why in the world, they ask Jesus' companions, why in the world is, is he eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners? And you should have heard those words. They oozed with contempt. It, it's like we weren't even human, like we were subhuman or something. And, and, and when we heard those words, you could, just, you could just hear this gasp. It was like all the air was sucked out of the room, like the life was drained from the place. And I remember it so clearly. It felt like I'd been punched in the gut. It felt like I'd had the wind knocked out of me. It was awful. As good as it had felt a few moments before, this was terrible. Terrible. But then I heard Jesus. He spoke up and he said, you know, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. And I didn't come I didn't come to, to call righteous people, but, but sinners to change their hearts and lives. And that's when it hit me. The whole night, the, the whole gathering, it had felt like a celebration of healing. Like a party that you throw when, when you find out that somebody's gotten over some illness or, some, or been cured from some disease. It felt like a celebration of healing. All of us in that room, for the first time in our life, it was like we, we had been made whole. Somehow, without our even realizing it, it was like Jesus had, had healed our wounds. Like he had stitched us up like he'd nursed us back to health. And nothing would ever be the same. 
The way we, the way we thought of ourselves, the way, we, the way we treated others, the way we, we lived our lives in the world, nothing would ever be the same. Our hearts and our minds and our lives had been changed. We had been healed by the gracious welcome of Jesus. That's what that night had been celebrating. That's what that had been all about. And over the years, well, I've, I've thought about that night often. I've thought about what it was like to feel whole for the first time in a long time. Oh, what a great feeling. And I've thought about those those words of Jesus about, about people who are healthy and, and people who are sick. And, and I, I don't think I realized it at the time, but, but since then I, I've come to realize, you know, that we're all sick. We're, we're all in need of healing. It's just that some of us know it and some of us don't. We're all sick in need of healing. And I, I've thought about that, that invitation of Jesus to follow him. And, and what, what that night was all about as I, as I began to follow him. And what it meant for, for me to be a recipient of Jesus' healing touch. Because I, the more I've thought about it, the more I've reflected on it, the more I've dwelled with it and, and benefited from it, the more I've, I've sensed a responsibility now, I had a responsibility as a recipient of Jesus' healing touch. A responsibility that, that will, will be with me for the rest of my life. You see, when, when Jesus called me, when, when he invited me, I, I have this sense now that there was something more at stake than just whether or not I'd get up and leave and, and literally come behind him. I, I have this sense that those, those two simple words that... That, that, that there was this whole world of meaning behind them, that they were an invitation, a, a calling to enter into a completely new way of life. These two simple words. Well, Jesus was saying so much more. And what I think he was saying was something like this Follow me, Levi. Follow me to the party where the love of God flows like new wine that never runs dry. Follow me to the table where there's no more pretending, no more putting on a front, where everyone is able to be themselves. People are just able to be people. Follow me so that you can find healing and transformation Redemption. But Levi, I need you to hear this. It, this healing, it's not just for you. This party, it's not just for you. And it, it's not even just for you and your friends. This healing, well, I'm healing you so that you can join me in my healing work and, and, and take it to others. You see, it, it's time now for you to follow me to the people who feel like you used to feel. And so, Levi, here's what I want you to do. I want you to follow me 
to the people with long faces and broken hearts. I want you to follow me to the folks who, who, who look like they've got it all together, but inside are a mess. And I want you to follow me to the people who can't find a way to cover up what a mess they are inside. I want you to follow me to, to the poor people who are afraid of rich people like you, and I want you also to follow me to the rich people who are afraid of the poor people. I want you to follow me, Levi. I want you to follow me to the folks who are on the top of the mountain of success and are constantly afraid that somebody's going to overtake them and bring them down. And I want you to follow me to the folks who are at the, at the bottom of a deep pit and feel like nobody's ever going to find them, nobody's ever going to rescue them. I want you to follow me, Levi. I want you to follow me to the folks whose scars are visible, who can't help but wear them for all to see. And I want you to follow me to the folks who have tried everything in their power to hide their scars. I want you to follow me, Levi. Do as I do. Love as I love. Follow me, Levi. Follow me. Brothers and sisters, this morning, just as Jesus spoke those words to Levi, he speaks these words to you and to me. He says to each one of us, follow me. He's ready to bring healing to your life and to mine. If we'll, we'll let him, he'll heal our wounds. He'll stitch us up. He'll, he'll nurse us back to health. And nothing will ever be the same. The way we, the way we think about ourselves the way we treat others, the way we live our lives in the world, nothing will ever be the same because our hearts and our minds and our lives will be changed. That's what the healing power of Jesus can do. But brothers and sisters, the healing, Jesus' healing, it, it isn't simply for you or for me. It's, it's not simply for our own sake. He's healing us so that we can join him in his healing work in the world. He's healing us so that we can follow him to the places and the people who are in need of his healing touch. He's inviting us to join in his work. That's what this healing is all about. He's healed us so that we too can become healers. So that when we encounter folks who are sad and broken and lonely, when, when we, we come across folks who feel like life has left them behind, when, when we encounter anybody, for that matter, they might experience through our presence and God's presence within us the healing touch of Jesus. God longs to bring healing. God longs to bring redemption. God longs to change the world. And he's inviting us to do it as healers who go and follow him and help in his healing work. This morning, uh, if, if you're hurting and you're in need of healing, we're going to have a, a time in a few moments where a few of our shepherding couples are going to be out these doors over here, and, and they would love to spend a few moments in prayer with you, inviting Jesus to, 
to heal you, to heal your wounds, to stitch you up, to make you whole again. And if you want to celebrate the ways that Jesus has healed you, that God's power has worked in your life to change you and transform you so that you'll never be the same, you can go and and celebrate with them as well. If you'd like to, to learn more about what it means to follow Jesus, they'll be happy to talk to you about that as well. But brothers and sisters, uh, we are called to follow Jesus and join him in his healing work. And so I invite you now uh, to stand and sing and continue thinking about what it means to follow Jesus. Let's sing together.